for 11 years in a row. Ranking Arizona's number one most trusted referral network, rosieonthehouse.com. Information that you can't get anywhere else. And over three decades of Rosie on the House. All right, y'all, come on into my house. Zippity-doo-dah, zippity-day. Man, I can taste it in the air. We have already had the first official day of fall. We are technically out of summer, and I can taste it. And boy, Jennifer and I took a little trip this past week for a few days up to beautiful White Mountains. And I can tell you all this. There is a silver lining when a half a million acres burn in the wall of fire. I can tell you from personal experience this past week, the aspen trees are coming back so thick. Me and my dogs can't even walk through the forest. It is, a, it is unbelievable. And as far as you can see, it's the aspen turning yellow and gold. It's I love that. Absolutely mm. beautiful, and 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 the whole a little breeze comes, and all the quaking aspen leaves start. It's, I, it's like sequins on the thousands as far as you can see. It's just absolutely gorgeous. Get out and support the travel industry, the lodging industry in Arizona, and get out there and see Arizona. And that's something, Gary. You mentioned during the break the leafometer is active. We need to get. Uh, a leafometer planted into the White Mountains because right now it's like Oak Creek and Flagstaff and areas right around that I-17 corridor. There's nothing out far west on 260 or 191. We'll have to that do. I'm a, aware of. We'll have to do a GoFundMe for the leafometer in the White Mountains. <laughs> <laughs> well, special thanks to Little America up in Flagstaff, who is our partner for the Arizona Staycation this month. Uh, have a lot of connection to Little America. It's it's one of our favorite places to stay in Flagstaff. Uh, if you're traveling that area, as a matter of fact, I had a listener this week say she was going to be driving to uh, Southwest Colorado, and she wanted a travel itinerary of everything to see in Northern Arizona. So, we spent about 15 minutes on the phone talking about just you know travel safe and get out there and see Arizona. We have a special guest joining us from Flagstaff this morning. I'd like to welcome Dr. Jeff Hall, the director of Lowell Observatory. Actually, one of my favorite things to do when I'm staying at Little America and traveling the Flagstaff, Coconino County area is get up to Mars Hill. Dr. Hall, thanks for joining us this morning. Hey there. Good morning. Very nice to be here. And a great story about the recovery in the wildfire area. That's great to hear. Oh, man, it's absolutely gorgeous. I tell you, I think Jennifer was going to try and picture post a picture I took in Facebook, and it's, it's gorgeous. Well, we've invited Dr. Hall today because Jennifer wrote an article on the international dark sky. And, and, and we invited Dr. Hall in to visit. You know, if you're going to go out and you're going to see Arizona, we hardly ever travel anywheres in Arizona without throwing our telescope in the car and setting it up at night. Dr. Hall, talk about what the dark sky is. Yeah, you know, Arizona is certainly the best spot in the continental U.S. for astronomy and stargazing. That's why astronomy and optics and related industries are about a $4.5 billion industry here in the state. 
So certainly a hub of professional astronomy as well as astrotourism. And, you know, preserving the quality of the night sky is central to that. And a lot of communities around Arizona have made commitments to that, including Flagstaff, which was the first international dark sky community awarded back in 2001 by the International Dark Sky Association, which is headquartered down in Tucson. Now, Dr. Hall, Flagstaff was the first designated in in Arizona or in America or in the world? In, in the world. Really? Yep. So what does it take to get registered, listed as a dark sky community? Because we've actually got yeah, well, two the, in I, Arizona now. Yeah, there's quite a few. Um, and the IDA has been really smart about this. You don't have to have a dark sky. You just have to have a community commitment to um, using good outdoor lighting, um, using appropriate amounts of lighting, and minimizing the light that goes up to create sky glow. So in addition to Flagstaff, you know, we have communities like Sedona and Oak Creek, uh, most recently, more recently, Camp Verde. And I think really interesting for listeners in the Valley, you know, the good folks in Fountain Hills have received IDA dark sky designation right there on the edge of the Phoenix metro. God, that's great. It's, it, Jennifer compared it in the article to, you know, Teddy Roosevelt uh, doubling the national park system. And and the sky, this this is like protecting that view. I mean, there's kids that never even see the Milky Way anymore. That's right. You know, in fact, uh, you look at the Light Pollution Atlas, and we estimate 75 to 80 percent of the population of the United States lives where you can no longer see the Milky Way. And I can oh. certainly attest to that. You know, we have all the visitors come up to Lowell when we can be open. And so many times I'll use the big green laser pointer and point out the Milky Way, and they're, they're like, what's that? Because they've never seen it. Wow. Talk about Lowell Observatory. Absolutely one of my favorite stops in all of Arizona. Uh, we're dealing with the COVID uh, dilemma right now, but are y'all still doing the premium access personal night tours? We are. There's actually still a lot going on here. You know, we are, um, of course, we're open to the public when COVID allows us to be, and we're going to try to get back to that as soon as we can. Before COVID hit, you know, we were we were doing 105,000 visitors a year or so. Uh, now we have to keep it to pretty small groups, pretty uh, private, exclusive experiences, and we'll relax that as soon as we can. But in addition to that, you know, we've got a, a faculty of 14 um, professional astronomers, which is sort of the size of a large university department. And, you know, the research is all telescope and computer based. So that's just been cranking along everybody working from home and, and continuing to discover new things about the universe. Well, I, it, it's, it's one of my favorite places to play with my mind is just setting up that telescope and just uh, I, I like, you know, the moons, the, we've, we got an ascending moon now, right? And, and, and you, there's one uh, eyepiece I have for my telescope. I can, I can actually get in and see the Sea of Tranquility pretty good. My, and just dreaming about being the person that set foot up there is just where my mind likes to go. Oh, really? Can you imagine actually setting foot on, on a different world? That would be pretty extraordinary. And, you know, you can go to our website and read about our new uh, Giovanni Open Deck Observatory, which we opened a year ago. And it's got six you know, absolute state-of-the-art telescopes. We really spared no expense. And we're using that right now for the premium experiences. But when we're open, it's just a whole new level to uh, the kinds of incredible sights we can show people. So, 
you know, follow our reopening plan. And once we get through this, this miserable COVID crisis, we will be back up and running for business. Uh, with our 11 grandchildren, I'll tell you one of our favorite holiday shopping trips, which has kind of uh-huh. become a little tradition for us, is the Lowell Observatory gift shop. We, we just try and plant the universe seed love of the universe in this night sky with all of our grandchildren. And your, your gift shop is like one of our favorite shopping destinations. Yeah, well, our manager does a really good job of trying to, to get, you know, the best science and astronomy oriented products you know we, we don't want to sort of be just a, a random souvenir shop we really want it to be a good science shop that people can pick up quality stuff for themselves and their kids jeff has the recent smoke in the air affected the view of the dark sky in flagstaff by chance um it's it sure has we've had a couple of nights where there was so much haze from the california fires that we we had to curtail observations and you know with the mm. big research telescopes we we operate our four meter Lowell Discovery Telescope. It's a fifty million dollar facility out near Happy Jack. And sometimes when there's a, a big forest fire, we do have to shut down because we really, really don't like smoke and ash on the mirrors. That's real bad for them. <laughs> wow, man. Well, we've certainly had our share of, of California smoke for sure. Well, Dr. Hall, I can't thank you enough for taking time of your weekend to join us here and and uh, we're we're gonna be watching with a real curious close eye as to when y'all start reopening phase one, two, and three. But right now, you you could make an appointment for premium access with membership, right? Yep, you can. Yep. Um, and hopefully we can get to phase two pretty soon. You know, I'm watching the, the data every single day. And once we get to phase two, then we'll have a, a whole new range of, of outdoor, mostly outdoor, you know, appropriate group size, um, lower price tours as, as we get more and more people back in. And once we get to phase three, then we open up the doors and have a huge party. All right. Well, I'd like to be there for that. So I'll be watching for it very carefully. Dr. Jeff Hall, director of Lowell Observatory up on Mars Hill, right here in Flagstaff, Arizona. And before we let him go, if anyone's new to Arizona, I mean, you got to tell what big discovery Lowell is famous for. Oh, yeah. So we are the home of Pluto, our very favorite planet, the only planet discovered here in the U.S. Now, and there was a time where it wasn't a planet and then it is a planet. Where, where does that stand on, on classification uh, right now? Yeah, so, so that was deliberate. And, and right now, Pluto is officially classified as a dwarf planet. And that was done back in 2006. And, you know, if you want to have me on the line for about another two hours here this morning, we can go into this in detail. Um, but I think there's good reasons to call not just Pluto, but a whole bunch of other objects in the solar system a planet. And, in fact, if you want to go to... Uh, look up Lowell Observatory on YouTube and go back to um, about the middle of July to our Cosmic Coffee series. And you can watch some videos of me discussing the whole, not only the New Horizons spacecraft exploration of Pluto, but I talked with Dr. Gerard Van Bell of our staff about how do you define a planet? What should we really call Pluto? So you can get more information there. Well, we will do that, and we'll definitely follow up and schedule, uh, you know, whether it's live on air or special podcast series on uh, that other two hours you offered. It's worth going to Lowell Observatory just hearing the process that discovered Pluto. Isn't that the one, Rosie, where he just had film? Yes. And he was 
there was no like current day technology, and the young man was just comparing these. these I'm not going to remember the story with the accuracy that that would that Dr. Hall and Lowell Observatory. It's fascinating story, but it is a fabulous story about somebody believing that was planetary positioning out there somewhere is based on gravitational observations i mean it was it's like really wow well dr jeff hall thanks a million for joining us if y'all haven't been to lowell observatory you just got to put that on your bucket list Bringing it back to my house, Rosie on the house. We're here to answer any question you might have about a remodeling or maintenance or repair issue around your house, home, castle, or cabin. You join the conversation by dialing one 767 4348 But we're on one of Rosie's rabbit trails right now. We're, we're welcoming any phone call that would come in where you'd like to talk about home improvement. But this hour right now... Uh, we're on, like I say, a bunny trail for a dark sky. You know, I don't really think it's a bunny trail. It's kind of a quality of life issue. Um, and if you live, if you're a listener who lives in a dark sky community, I'd love to hear from you this morning and just see how big a process it, it really is. It looks complicated. It, and as a matter of fact, if your community earns dark sky um, certification, then you get checked every year annually. You have to be, you're held accountable to that standard. Um but we also have tips just for, you know, anybody who's in a community where it's not interested. There's things you can do to protect your night sky. But the Dark Sky Organization was started in 2001. And uh, they have like a five-point um, goals. But it's basically to identify communities that are, are aware of how important the dark sky is. And they educate and they make changes. And, you know, Tucson um, has uh, is acknowledged for being the darkest sky for a city of its size. Oh. They've really made some giant efforts down there. Um, so, you know, depending on where you live, it's it's a bigger job or not. My dad lives out by Bartlett Lake, and he was very interested, and I just don't think it'd be much effort for them. You know, they don't have street lights. They uh, Their houses are spaced far apart. You know, so it'd be kind of a fun uh, designation for them. Well, we got here by doing the whole month of September on lighting in about and around your house indoor lighting with statewide lighting uh we had early on earlier in the month and they're still running their special if you're contemplating remodeling any of the lighting or light fixtures in your home if you'll just use the code word reinvent or rosy at statewide lighting uh they'll give you 20 percent off your total order we actually had a family drive up from casa grande to uh, the statewide lighting showroom to take advantage of that. So if you'd like to do that, do so. Well, and- I called I called over there this week just to see what I called Bob. He's one of the sales managers over there, and he was saying they do have people come in because there are uh, designations on different fixtures. You can actually buy an IDA, which is the acronym for International Dark Sky Association. They actually have fixtures that are marked uh, compatible with that. So you can go in and just say, hey, Bob, you know, I'm trying to do this thing at my house, and I want to you know, just diminish my amount of impact on the night sky. What can I do? And they'll have fixtures for you. That's incredible. And and that's for your outdoor lighting. Uh, there isn't any reason your outdoor lighting 
needs to be a glare bomb or necessarily shining up or shining across your property lines to light up other areas of your neighborhood. And, you know, this, to become a dark sky um, certified community, it can, you don't have to be, um, what's the word? <laughs> it's gone. But you can be a community, it can be a neighborhood, um, and the, but the city has to, whoever, whoever controls the public lighting has to buy in too. But on an individual, yes. on an individual basis, um, the kind of, there's kind of a three point, three points of education. One is light only what you need. So if you're just trying to see the back door, don't light the whole backyard <laughs> kind of thing. And, and then all um, put shields on your light. So like if you have walkway lights or floodlights, make sure that they're directed down. So you're, you're just not trying to flood everything. And then also um, use energy-efficient bulbs, which we're all trying to do anyway, and uh, warmer colors so that that also diminishes. So any kind of amber color or like even the bug lights, anything that takes out that bright white light. Well, there you go. The dark sky. Uh, oh, just real quick, darksky.org has a whole um, list of things of, to educate, all kinds of posters you can print out and stuff. And they even have a letter if you have a neighbor who's got lots of glare bombs that you can, it's a little template. Oh, <laughs> do they <laughs> really? To your neighbor, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Pre-printed so I don't have to worry about uh, offending anyone uh, unnecessarily. That That's awesome. Oh, And I can testify to what our... Um, Guest was saying about you know people have never seen the Milky Way. I remember at uh, one of the growing up going to Lake Powell mm. <laughs> was one of the things that you know a, a week on a houseboat um, got to go with the cousins a few times. We went a few times and yeah. one of the the guests that we brought one time were up on top of the houseboat and uh, he's like so and I mean th this is like we're in our twenties and he says. <laughs> So where's the North Star and how do you find it? I'm just like, Seriously? Mr. Eagle Scout, you couldn't how, relate to that. Like, I, I said, they're up there every night. How have you not figured this out yet? <laughs> I guess I, I guess if you just did live in the city your whole life and, yeah. and you couldn't even see them, you, you wouldn't know. We've got one of our favorite returning guests in this next segment. Y'all stay tuned. Dr. Sky is going to join us. To the stars and beyond, with Rosie on the house. I like finding reasons to get outside. I really like to find reasons to get outside with my children and my grandchildren. We've been geocachers for a long time. We've been bird watching and bird watchers for a long time. We love to hike. But don't stop taking your kids and grandkids outside once the sun falls below the horizon because you're missing a huge opportunity to explore a whole new dimension. Let's welcome Dr. Sky to the show. Appreciate you taking time to join us today, Dr. Sky. 
And good morning, Rosie. Good to be in the house on Rosie on the House. Thank we've you. we've kind of walked into this topic by covering the, the subject of lighting in, about, and around your house all month long. And about mid-month, someone said, well, when you're talking about outside lighting, you better address the dark sky outside lighting and the responsibility we all have to protect our dark sky. Absolutely. Yeah, so... Um, what have you been up to? I know y'all do some night sky watching at, uh, um, oh, I just went blank. Oh, over at the Dolly Steamboat, we have places well, all over Arizona that we're doing this, Rosie. And, you know, just to mention here, it's a nice, a nice opportunity to kind of say hi to everybody out there and catch up. Because what we try to do, our whole Dr. Sky company, is try to offer some positivity in these rather depressing COVID times, and I know you've probably covered it, but I'll say it proudly on, on your show, as I do on my own here on KTAR. You know, what better way to get out of the doldrums than to take your family oh. and spend the time to look at our cherished skies that we have here? And obviously, Rosie, I'm not going to go into all the details. I think that's from your side and your previous guests on how to prevent the glare, which causes the sky glow, which obviously many locations in Arizona have not declared by the International Dark Sky Association to be these very dark sky places, whether they be parks, reserves, or communities. But, Rosie, I've been busy and obviously doing so many things. But, again, not just to go back to our show here on KTAR. Obviously, this is what people tell us they like so much. So for 10 years, we've been providing what to see in the nighttime. Yes. Rosie, I'll jump right into it because I know the limited time that we have. Right now, folks, and, Rosie, this is so amazing. Right now, if you look into the eastern part of the sky, just a little after 7.30, you'll see this orange ball of light. It's the planet Mars, sometimes referred to by many as the god of war. But regardless of how you look at it, throughout history, so many people have looked to Mars and look at all the spacecraft that are headed there, America's Perseverance, with the first helicopter-type little robotic craft, uh, this little drone, Ingenuity, it's headed there, we'll get there in February. But really, we're looking at Mars some 38 million miles away as it closes in on the Earth on October the 6th. So if you have a small telescope, just imagine this. Even in binoculars, though, you won't get to see the disk of Mars. But in moderate-sized telescopes, we've been showing people, and people can do this, and maybe some of the listeners out there do have the equipment, and they're already doing it. What are they seeing? They're seeing the shrinking southern polar cap on Mars, They're seeing so many of the so-called land features, potential dust storms that are brewing up, and some of the giant volcanoes. You can actually see the cloud tops over these volcanoes in a rather large, sophisticated telescope. But the important part, Rosie, is Mars is the center stage. It comes closest to us on October 6th. It rises in opposition on the 13th, and it's doing something rather funky in the sky as far as planets do. We know that the astrology community is tied closely to the astronomy community, at least sometimes. But right now, folks, Mars is going through its retrograde time. And, Rosie, think of all the craziness that's going on in the world, and people always talk about retrograde. So something's going on there if you're into the astrology side. That started on September the 9th, and it ends by November the 14th. But if you could jump on a light beam with me, Rosie, and the listeners, we could get to Mars in about three minutes and 30 seconds. But I'll take the beautiful view with the naked eye and share that, because it's something that's going to get better. And we'll be doing a lot of things around the valley in the state, not only with that, but so many of the other things. But it's really one of the most highlighted objects uh, and event. Don't forget, we cool. come up on October 1st with the beautiful full harvest moon and then that really strange and funky moon on Halloween night, Rosie. We get the second full moon. Oh, we do? Oh, yeah. We get okay. to see a 
since since 1944, I've checked this, we have not had a full full moon, meaning 100% full, on Halloween night since 1944, and it probably <laughs> won't happen again since 2035. And I already, I already know where I'm going to be Halloween night. I'm going to be camping ah. with all my grandsons out in the middle of the desert just south of Payson, so I'll, wow. have, the, I'll have the telescope. Now, your dinner cruises at Canyon Lake... We're on the Dolly Steamboat. Now, I'm on the website right now. It looks like tonight's event is sold out. When's the next one? Rosie, the next big one, we're calling it the Night of Mars with our cruise of the Cosmos. Saturday, mark it down, folks. Saturday, October the 24th, we sail dockside at 5 p.m. And obviously, this will be a great night here because I need not remind you and the listeners, the month of October, isn't that most amazing? Especially at the end, it's like, bye-bye monsoon. And welcome the beautiful sky. So we'll be doing that. They can call 480-827-9144. That's 480-827-9144 or just dollysteamboat.com. A great way to get involved with the beauty of Arizona skies if you've been talking so eloquently with your guests and, and topics. And, in and you, do, you do night viewing at um, Lost Dutchman State Park. Now, we've, we, had, we had that area kind of under a fire hazard for a little while the last couple of months. How did you all survive all that? Well, Rosie, to be honest with you and listeners, we haven't done anything really there, not just because of the COVID, but we're looking to team up again as we move into 2021. And I'm sure that'll be another landmark on there because people tell us that they enjoyed so much because with all the good things in Arizona, what we're trying to do, Rosie, is show you how to use equipment, how to step outside of doors, go and enjoy the nighttime sky. You don't really have to always travel far. There's so many wonderful places, as your eloquent guests have talked about here in the previous segments here in Arizona and the rich history of astronomy here. But I mention this in passing because I'm so proud of the fact that during my college days, again, Clyde Tombaugh, the discoverer of the then planet Pluto, now the dwarf, got to know him and his family so well, Rosie. And boy, I'll tell you, that was not only a shot in the pants to, to continue to study this very, very good subject, but... What an amazing story that I'm sure will be told once again by the good folks at the Lowell Observatory, that sacred and hallowed ground that, of course, Percival Lowell, the director, founded way back when, and the great story of Dr. Tombaugh. But they're right. You know, Dr. Hall was saying it, and I heard it very clearly. America's planet, obviously, the yeah. planet Pluto or the dwarf planet back on February 18th, 1930. Well, in talking to the Arizona homeowners whose attention you now have, what... Um what kind of equipment could a family purchase and have a reasonably good astronomical experience in their backyard? Best question I've had yet, Rosie. And to solve that problem, what we'll be doing in 2021, we will be a source for equipment like this. But to answer your question directly, with limited budgets right now, this is my personal Dr. Sky opinion. These small, simple-to-use Dobsonian, just remember the term Dobsonian, in namesake of the astronomer who did this on sidewalks in San Francisco, uh, John Dobson, the Dobsonian design, is just a basic telescope. It looks like something, if you remember back during the days when kids built the soapbox derby cars, you know, out of sure. little wood crates. These are functional telescopes. They're reflectors. Just remember Dobsonian, if you get a 6-inch or even an 8-inch, they don't have all the computer technology behind it. And why am I? I'm not, a, you know, I'm not negative on that. It's just that what's more frustrating to me, and, and I've done surveys on this, and we do this all the time, for the very beginner who has maybe a pair of binoculars and wants to move forward, these yes. little Dobsonians are just great. They're a little on the large side. You know, you can take them apart and just have somebody help you carry the base because it's just wood. 
But it's simple. And, Rosa, you can actually see objects. That's the whole point. Find them and see them. And the old-schooled way of finding objects was to learn the nighttime sky. So, obviously, if they go to our KTIR.com site, they go to the Dr. Sky blog site, you get a free star chart that you can download right there, and one that you could use if you have whether a pair of binoculars or a Topsonian telescope. But that's my answer. They're interesting. They're affordable. And then consider moving on to the more sophisticated items, because if you want to do photography and you want the telescope to find things with the computer, that's certainly an offering. But how about that, Rosie? What, I think that's what, would, a, what would a family spend for one of these Dobsonian telescopes? Between 300 and $500 okay. to be straight up. And I think in today's time, maybe that's a high budget for some families. Of course, we respect that times are tough now. But again, Rosie, this is something that I've been asked so many times in about 40 years of doing this with equipment of all different types, upwards of the monster telescopes. And if you really want to go onto the steroid end of the equation, they make these in 16-inch sizes and bigger. And actually, a person can actually have a rather large telescope that you can transport and take it apart and actually put it into a small little SUV or a small vehicle. And those, of course, would run into a few thousand dollars, but... It's all a matter of what people can afford, but the answer that I give you is one from the ease, the practical, practicality, and that's a good way to go. When my father-in-law moved north of Carefree, we bought him an overly complicated telescope that was computer-driven and all yeah. of that. Well, I got it back. <laughs> he <laughs> he, he, just, he folded it up, played with it for a couple of nights, says, I appreciate it, but you figure it out. And... Uh, and and we we really enjoy it, and and I will have it with me that night with all my grandsons out on Halloween night, and so we'll be able to really focus in on that big full moon, Halloween night. Well, that's amazing, Rosie, and I say this to your listeners and all of listeners of KTA. If you have a question, send me the email. It's just Dr. Sky Show, D-R-S-K-Y Show, at gmail.com. More than happy to help people as they navigate through the heavens. And I like to describe this whole experience here always by saying, always remember to you know keep your eyes to the skies. And certainly I'm continuing on to be your navigator on this, what, highway to the heavens, a beautiful journey here in Arizona with your great listeners and the great radio station that we both share shows on here on KTAR. Opening, opening the segment, talking about Mars, uh, only 38 million miles away. For you astronomers, that's like a stone's throw. Yeah, absolutely. It's very <laughs> close. And don't miss it because you won't have this close again, Rosie, with Mars for quite a while, so it's an opportunity to share that, and we'll be doing that. You'll be hearing more about us in the valley and the state as we take our 42-foot RV, the Skyship, and roll out into places as we get rid of this COVID and go back to positivity and return to our opportunity of sharing this beauty of the nighttime sky. And what's the, the, and what's the speed of light? Speed of light, 186,282 miles per second, or if you want to put it in relativistic terms, some 670 million miles an hour. And and if we boarded a rocket ship capable of traveling the speed of light, how far would it get? How how long would it take to get from one end of the known universe to the other? Tough question to answer, depending on who you ask. But you <laughs> ask me if the universe is allegedly thirteen and a half billion light years as far as dimension. That that would be one answer, but it's probably way larger than that, Rosie. We're talking about maybe sixty or seventy billion light years. So figure how many years it is by the speed of light. That would be something that we would have to reclone ourselves so many times. But the real question, Rosie, would be, how could we all get along in a small spaceship the size of maybe a little bigger than a school bus? That's the real problem. And the journey to Mars, Rosie, 
that's a nine-month journey one way. So you better like your person sitting next to you for the long haul to Mars. Amazing. Think it, about that it, one. It is amazing. <laughs> Traveling at that speed, it's going to take you 60 billion that's years right. to that's get from right. one end of the known. And, and I'm saying known universes. I, I don't think we've even reached the edges of what's really out there. And, Rosie, in the meantime, I think the local problem, and I think you would agree, is simply this. Why can't we all just learn to get along? There you go. <laughs> Dr. Sky, you're always such a joy to have on the show. We really appreciate you taking the Thank time. You. Folks, I can't encourage you enough. We took an entire crew. We filled the Dolly Steamboat with Rosie on the House listeners several years ago. How would they book the next available night tour on the Dolly Steamboat on Canyon Lake with Dr. Sky and all of his laser flashlights. All you have to do, folks, is go to dollysteamboat.com, request the Dr. Sky dinner cruise. That's October, Saturday, October the 24th, leaving at 5 p.m., or simply call them, 480-827-9144. And it's always a privilege and honor, Rosie, and we're growing in our show, not to be bragging, but we just had Captain James T. Kirk, William Shatner, join us. Ah. And he, of course... He just loves the heck out of this stuff, you know. He's got a brand new album. He's he's going into his jazz music now. It actually sounded pretty good on his album. <laughs> what a what a ride. Now, For an eighty nine year old. Real uh, quick, uh we've got a text message that wants to know what's your favorite astronomy phone app for learning? Uh, you've gotta have one. Yeah, there is one. I love one called the Planets. Just go to that one, which is a really simple one. It gives you a basic nighttime sky and it gives you the three dimensional view of the universe. So just go to the planets. You'll see it of course up there wherever good apps are found at all these app stores. Well, you can't get on that topic without feeling like your mind is being stretched. Right? When you talk about something 38 million miles away, and, you know, that's just like, that's like driving down to the Circle K and getting a Twinkie, you know? That's you know what it is? It's perspective. What is that? Just, you know, just how small I am and how big the universe is and how little of that makes my problems. <laughs> I can go to the Grand Canyon South Rim and see how really small I am. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can look yeah. below and above on yeah. that one. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Really tiny, about that big. <laughs> here at rosie on the house we are believe it or not taking your questions about home improvement we're answering a lot of them during the breaks and off air but we'll take your calls if you'd like to join the conversation we'll be here for another hour one 767 4348 that's one rosie for you there's an auto attendant that answers you when it answers you just push number one and that will direct you straight in to my wife, Sweet Jennifer, who's in the call screening production uh, part of the studio. Uh, Romy and I are in the broadcast part of the studio. We'll take your question and get you answered as quick as we can. But and I the whole top get off the topic of the sky. Which all comes back to this dark sky neighborhood that, uh, or is it community? How, how exactly does that work? Because we've got... Camp Verde, Flagstaff, Cottonwood, Sedona, Fountain Hills, and Tucson are all listed as an international dark sky 
association community. Yeah, you can have you can have a city, you can have a community, you could even just have a neighborhood. Let's say you live in Phoenix and you can't get all of Phoenix to cooperate. You could take your neighborhood or same uh, Tucson. I think pretty much they've bought into it. They're a little more deserty down there, uh, more aware of the night sky. They've been really good about the city and the homeowners diminishing the light. So you, anybody that's interested can get on there and make a stab at it. It does take a lot of education, though. Um, there are some health benefits, of course, to having the night sky and just the rhythm of the night. You know, they say blue sky of computers and TV is so it just wreaks havoc with our sleep patterns and stuff. So that's one reason. And then just the, the privilege of getting to see the sky, you know. It's, and, an, it's another great reason to get you, the kids and the grandkids, out. And... Generally, our blog articles, we try and keep it around 800 words. Scrolling through this one, I think you must have hit like 2,800. No, it's at 10,080, I think. I had to take some out. Yeah. Well, Jennifer and I just recently finished a little trip to the White Mountains. If you are considering getting out and seeing the fall colors, Arizona Highways Magazine in the October uh, edition this year talks about wish you were here, question mark. And it talks about touring autumn in arizona i can tell you the wallow fire which was the largest fire in the history of arizona half a million acres over on the new mexico border all of that area is still much of that area is still standing black dead ponderosa pine but they are being suffocated by sprouting aspen trees that are all shoulder high and higher and the color contrast it's on right now the fall color is on now get to the white mountains get to the far east and i don't say that very often because i like to think that's my private corner of the whole state but you will see some absolutely beautiful arizona scenery get over there it's saving grace is it's so far from anywhere that it's that's why it's kept it so unpopulated is, you know, you might get there and you might enjoy it, but people soon, you know, figure know. out they can't survive with that far away from their I, basic. Uh, I, I cried like a baby when they paved Williamson Valley Road to Big Lake. I just cried like a baby. Why are they going to do that? But Jennifer and I were kept awake one night up there with the elk bugling. There was one right in our window. I don't know what he, I almost opened the door and let him in. But he kept us up half night. We saw turkeys everywhere. The game has moved back in to that part of the forest that's rejuvenating itself. It's absolutely spectacular. Get out and enjoy Arizona. And a big thank you to Little America and Flagstaff, who is our lodging partner this month for the Rosie on the House staycation.